how you start your day sets the tone, the direction, and the context for the rest of the day. Hey, Dr. Mindy here, and welcome to season four of the Resetter podcast. Have I got a lineup for you this season? Lots of deep thinkers, a lot of brilliant minds, all with one focus to move the needle forward on your mental and physical health. So please know that this podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again. And I want you believing in your body. I want you believing in your mind. I want you believing in your spirit. If you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you Hal Elrod. Now, I hope you know this guy, but if you don't, let me just give you a little bit of some insight into the conversation you're about to hear and this beautiful human that is going to enlighten us all because this conversation was off the hook. He wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, and you'll hear in in our discussion I had started to implement a whole morning routine that I really saw change my life. And then his book came out. And when it came out, I was like, oh my gosh, somebody actually put into a book what I was experiencing in the morning, but he put it into a formula that we could all learn from. So I had been following his work for, for a, a while since that book came out. He's You'll hear he's literally sold 3 million copies of that book, which... It, it, for the authors out there to sell 3 million copies of a book is a pretty amazing task and tells you that he's on to a topic that people really want to hear. And so he brought me onto his podcast a couple of months ago. We talked about fasting, of course, and I I had to bring him on to you and, and bring him to all of you because his mindset is impeccable. And this is what I want you to gather from this conversation. It doesn't matter where what you're suffering with in your life right now. It doesn't matter the hurdles that face you. What you're going to hear in this conversation is that it's your mindset that can point you in the right direction. Yet when we are in the thick of adversity, it is really hard to find the right thoughts to pull you in the right direction, to move you in that forward movement of of possibility and hope. And what you're going to hear from Hal is that he's got some concrete ideas on how we take adversity and turn it into our superpower. He goes through affirmations. Like he, I love what he says about affirmations in this, that we can't just say something and hope that it's going to magically appear. He gives you a three-step formula on how to make po- powerful, impactful, positive affirmations that you will believe and will line you up with the destiny that you're trying to create for your life. He then was going to share with you some unreal stories of of healing that, I mean, I can't believe, I'm even in awe that he was able to keep the mindset that he kept uh, in some of the darkest healing moments. So if you are in a healing crisis, I want you to listen very carefully to what he did to keep his mind in the moving in a direction that pulled him out of a deadly diagnosis. And then at the end, we really dove into gratitude and how do we take obstacles in our life and really just shit that we've been given that we just don't like and we want to overcome. 
How do we take that and and put gratitude into those moments in order to again move us in a, a direction that that builds us a life we want to live? So there is. If you don't come out of this podcast like ready to take on the world, I don't know what podcast I can bring you because Hal did it in such a beautiful way. So excited to share this with all of you. I hope this will become a podcast that you actually come back to in your dark moments. Sometimes we have to brainwash ourselves with with positivity to be able to see a way out. So if you love this, please come back and listen to it over and over again. Send it to friends. It's that powerful. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning. Here's a gift to you and anybody who listens to it. And I hope it really helps. If you're looking for an easy way to balance your cortisol and stress levels and a great way to break your fast, I highly recommend Organifi's Green Juice as your go-to. I have to say that this product has become my mainstay for the last several months, especially to use it as a breakfast tool. So here's why I love it, is it's comprised of 11 different superfoods. It's formulated with your cortisol levels in mind, so it's meant to balance your cortisol. And it will give you not only more energy, but you report back to me, it sure gives me a lot more happiness. I I can literally at one o'clock in the afternoon when I'm ready to ease into food, I'll drink a a glass of green juice and I feel a a definite surge of energy, happiness, and it's a beautiful way to enter back into the eating window. So if you haven't tried any of the green juices at Organifi, my favorite one is the crisp apple, but they also have an original mint they're both good. The crisp apple, just maybe because it was fall when, when I first learned about it, it was so good. They're both great, but the crisp apple has that extra special something. So if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend giving it a whirl. And here's the cool thing about Organifi is that if you want to try it out, they'll give you a discount. And so all you've got to do is go to Organifi.com forward slash Pels and they'll give you 20% off. So that's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Pels, P-E-L-Z. And you'll get 20% off. And we'll leave the link in the show notes. But really, seriously, give it a try. You'd be amazed. The other thing that I've been realizing with the green juice is just it gives me that security to know that I'm getting those greens in that I need for so much in my body as far as hormonal production as far as support of my adrenals and a support of my health. So it's just a fabulous tool and I don't know where I'd be without it. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So I'm just going to jump right in and Hal, I have to start off by just welcoming you to the Resetter podcast. I am so thirsty to have this conversation. So thank you for being here. It is such an honor, Mindy. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, this is great. This is our second time talking in the last uh, month, I think. I know. I have really appreciated our conversation on your podcast. And for those of you listening, if you haven't, we'll link the podcast here so you can go listen to our conversation over on House Podcast. Um, but here's what I want to tell you. So I have this really interesting 
insight with my morning routine that I did a few years back that changed my life. And I think this was before your book came out because I I had been having my own experience with changing up my day-to-day routine, getting up earlier, dedicating my life to, to the first two hours of my day was all about filling my bucket back up. And it, it changed everything in my world. And then your book came out and I was like, oh my God, somebody else under knows this. And I was so excited. <laughs> So, so talk to me a little bit about the morning and what, why is it that it's such an important time for us to dedicate to ourselves? Cause, cause that was what I found was yeah. I had to get up before the kids. I had to get up before my husband. I had to get up before I went off to work and give to me first. And then everything yeah. in my day worked perfectly. Why does that work? Totally. Well, first thing I want to say is if you are listening to this and you're not a morning person, do not turn this off. Don't tune out. Um, I wasn't a morning person when I had the same realization that you just described, right? It was actually 2008. The economy had crashed. I was in a depression. I was losing my house, being foreclosed on. I was out of shape. Like I was in a bad spot. And I heard a quote from Jim Rohn. He said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I don't know what it was, but it clicked for me. Like if we're measuring success on a scale of one to 10, however you define success, fulfillment, freedom, finances, whatever it is, everybody wants level 10 success. Like I think there's an innate drive and desire within us to fulfill our potential, to create the most extraordinary life that we can. But most of us wake up every day and life stays the same. And the reason is we wait till the last minute to wake up. I mean, you think about that, like literally everybody listening can relate to where you look at your schedule and you're like, okay, when's the first moment that I have to be somewhere, do something, take care of someone else or answer to somebody else, right? And then you go, okay, and then what's the last minute that I could set my alarm for to not like get fired, have my kids taken away, on and on and on. And there's another group of people that re- like that you're a part of Mindy, right? That realize, Oh, that's, there's a better way. Yeah. And here's why. So to answer your question very directly, here's why it's so important. How you start your day sets the tone, the direction and the context for the rest of the day. If you start yeah. your day procrastinating until the last possible minute to get up, you are starting your day as a procrastinator right? You're you're literally, think about the alarm going off and you're going, oh no, it's morning. Like that's the worst energy. You're, you know, you're resisting life itself. It's like, hey, a new day. And you're like, no, I just would rather lay here unconscious for nine more minutes. Snooze, right? And so what, what the miracle morning does is it allows you to start every day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state as a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before. And, and I want to, I want to frame it this way. And it's funny, this recently came up for me. There are only two things that we have control over. Well, there's really, there's one thing. And then there's, there's, there's variations of it. The one thing is ourselves. That's all we can control. And mm-hmm. since the pandemic hit in 2020, that which is out of our control, be it a virus or the government, an election, you name it, that which is out of our control has been amplified and magnified and thrown in our face. And Absolutely. then from every direction, right? Neighbors, friends. I mean, it's, it's so polarizing. And, and here's what I want you to consider is that when you focus on things that are out of your control, you feel out of control. 
And when you feel out of control, you experience stress and fear and depression and anxiety. And that's how most people start their day. And it's how most people end their day. Yeah. And so if the only thing we have control over is ourselves, you can break that down into there's two parts. Number one is who you're becoming. You have control over who you're becoming based on how much time you're spending in silence, which is the first practice of the miracle morning, right? The books that you're reading, what you're learning, the journaling you're doing, the self-clarity that you're gaining, right? How you're, who you're becoming every day. That's the first thing. And the second is how you're showing up. And when you focus on becoming the best version of yourself every morning and start your day, you're then able to show up as a better version of you for the people that you love and the people that you lead. And that's why the miracle morning and, you know, a morning routine in general to me is so, so life-changing. Yeah. You know, there's so much of that that I really resonate with because when I decided to get up early and what I did is I went from getting up at like seven to getting up at five. So I, yep. I didn't just gently go into this. I went two hours early. Yep. And what I, why I did it is I found that I was walking around. My kids were very little at the time. I was, um, you know, I was working and, and balancing, you know, family with work. And I, I started getting stinking thinking. And so mm-hmm. my brain was like, oh, there's never enough time for me. No, but there's yeah. nothing that I do in my day that is okay for me. And I started to find myself falling into a really weird pattern of, of thought. And what ended up happening at that moment was that actually two of my closest friends had these dramatic life changes. They moved to new areas. And I watched when they moved to a new area, their whole mindset shifted because their routine changed. And their, mm. and all of a sudden, their lives changed, their marriages changed, everything about them changed. And I started to ask myself, you know what? Like I, I can't, I'm not going to move anywhere, but I can move my routine. So how about I just change my routine, get up so I give to myself first, so I stop that that pattern of thought. And then from there, let me see how my life changes. And it, it I mean, hell, it was like within a couple of weeks that, that I could no longer say that I wasn't giving to myself. I no longer could say I didn't have time because I had two hours every morning. I meditated, I listened, yeah. read books, I infused inspiration. So you, you are a thousand percent right on that. Yeah. Well, a couple of things you said that I so resonate with. Number one is I did the miracle morning for a few days, getting up an hour earlier and I wasn't a morning person. So like when I had, when I heard this quote from Jim Rohn, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. My epiphany was this was 2008, by the way, at the height of like the great recession, which is why Mm -hmm. I like millions of Americans. My house is being foreclosed on. I can't pay the mortgage. I mean, right. My business is failing. And I heard this quote and I go, okay, if I want to achieve level 10 success in every area of my life, my health, my, my relationships, my finances, according to Jim Rohn, and it makes sense, I need to develop myself into a level 10 person, like a level 10 version of me. I need to develop my habits, my mindset, my beliefs, my skills. Uh, if I want level 10 success, I've got to ratchet my level of personal growth up. And and I'm like, when am I going to do it? And it's like you, I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, I'm, I'm packed. Like right. I wait. And at that time I woke up at 6 a.m. Right. To get ready for work. I started work at seven and then I'd, I'd work until, you know, my eyes were bleeding and I couldn't look at the computer anymore. And, you know, and I'd go to watch TV for an hour and go to bed, rinse and repeat. And so as I'm looking at the schedule, I go, when am I going to fit in this hour of personal development? And I'm like, and like my eyes kept getting drawn to 5 a.m. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not a morning person. And I remember this 
quote from one of my mentors. And if you're listening, you might write this one down. It was so simple, but so profound. He used to always say, his name's Kevin Bracey. He would say, Hal, if you want your life to be different, as obvious as this might sound, you have to be willing to do something different first. And I think for most of us, like, it's like, yeah, that makes sense, but we don't, we just want things to change, but we don't want to change because change is painful, right? But the crazy part is, even though I wasn't a morning person, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I wrote my schedule 5 a.m. personal development. This wasn't, it wasn't called the miracle morning on day one. It wasn't a book idea, like none of that. But here's the crazy part. At that time in my life, I had been depressed for six months. It was this downward spiral where I'm losing clients. I'm losing money. I'm going in debt at my house. I'm trying to save it. I, I finally can't, you know, I'm 30 years old. My wife's pregnant. Like, you know, I'm, I thought I was living the dream. I just bought a house a year and a half prior. Right now I'm like about to move back in with my dad, which I did. Um, but that first night I felt like a kid on Christmas Eve. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, like think about like the night before a vacation when you're a kid or, or like your first day back at school when you can't wait to see your friends. Like, let me ask you this. Even if you're not a morning person, was it hard to get out of bed on those days where you were so excited to wake up? And that night I was like, I can't wait to try this. And I woke up the next morning and the night before I had Googled what do the world's most successful people do for personal development? And I was looking for one practice and I ended up with a list of six. It was silence, which is, you know, meditation or prayer, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading and scribing, which is a fancy word for journaling, but it's an acronym S A V E R S the savers. And, and I went, well, which of these should I do? Which is the best one? And there was no clear answer. And the epiphany was, wait, what if I just did all of them? What if I woke yeah. up an hour earlier and I did the six most timeless proven personal development practices in the history of humanity that the world's most successful people have sworn by for centuries? I go, that would be the ultimate personal development routine. Woke up the next morning. I fumbled my way through it. Like I didn't know how to meditate at that time. Affirmations felt super inauthentic the way I learned them online, right? Like I'm going through these practices, but even sucking at them at the end of that hour, it's very similar to what you said, Mindy. I'm like, this is it. If I, if I start every day with this much clarity and energy and peace of mind and motivation and gaining new knowledge, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be to turn my finances around, to turn my life around. And the last thing I'll say on that is this. I was thinking one year because I, you know, I'd read the compound effect before and I was like, I'll get 1% better every day. And one year from now, I can have a totally different life. Yeah. And Mindy, it happened in less than two months. In less than two months, I more than doubled my income. I went from six clients Barely, I couldn't pay the bills with six clients. Two months later, I had 14 clients. So I had doubled my income, was above water. Um, physically, I hadn't exercised in six months after a miracle morning. And I thought, how could I go to level 10 fitness? I thought, I'm going to run an ultra marathon. I'm going to run 52 miles. I've never run a mile except for in PE class in high school, but I'm going to run 52 miles. And my depression didn't even take two months to go away. It was gone within a day or two. Not gone, but it was... It was fading because I think one of the main causes of depression, and I'm not like a professional here, but it's hopelessness, right? If you lose yeah. hope, that's depressing. And because yeah. my income, no matter what I tried, kept going down and down and down, not to mention the economy 
we're in the worst recession at that time in decades. I'm scared. Everybody's yeah. scared. But that very first day I went, this is going to work. And so I wasn't yeah. depressed because now I had hope. I had clarity. This is the thing. And I went to my wife after the, la- the, the two-month mark. I signed on two coaching clients that day. And I, I can remember, I can picture meeting her in the hallway of our house. I said, sweetheart, I just signed on two more coaching clients. I've officially doubled our income. It's all because of this morning routine. It feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I go, I like that miracle morning. And so I wrote it in my schedule, miracle morning, you know, and then like one thing led to another. I taught it to my coaching clients. It worked for them just like it worked for me. And I thought if this worked for them and they weren't morning people and I wasn't a morning person it worked for me, the miracle morning, like I have a responsibility to share this with the world. And, you know, then I started writing the book and, and all the things, but that's like the, the origin story of how it organically all just kind of came to be. Amazing. You know, I think that there's two reasons that it works the way it worked for you and the way it worked for me. And the, and I'm sure for the way of, what did you say? Three million people have bought your book. Is that what you said? Three, that's to, four, three to four, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Three to four million. That's amazing. I can tell you as an author to sell three to four million books is like, you know, hats off <laughs> my friend. That's pretty, pretty freaking amazing. Um, but you. what, what I think happened for me is it was, and what I hear in your story is it was a pattern interrupt. And so if you go and you look at neuro-linguistic programming, a lot of these old patterns we get stuck in that are no longer serving us become just like automatic reactions. And mm-hmm. we don't even realize that we're in this stinking thinking or, or the way we're showing up every single moment of the day is actually building us a, a life that's adding to the depression and anxiety. So when I was, when I flipped my routine and I started getting up earlier, it, it like changed my nervous system and it kind of oh. woke it up. The second thing that I think why it works, and I'm curious if you've done any research on this, is that if you look at when you go into sleep and out of sleep, our brains are a little bit in this uh, theta wave state when we're coming out of sleep. And Mm -hmm. it's in theta waves that we are able to reprogram our subconscious. So I actually learned this from Bruce Lipton. Because mm. he believes that from zero to seven, we get most of our, our conditioning is hardwired into our subconscious. And mm. I, when he said that, I was like, well, that's really depressing. How am I, how do you undo that? And he yeah. said, well, affirmations. And I yeah. said, well, okay, but affirmations, I don't know. Like I, they haven't always worked for me. And he yeah. said, do you do them before you go to bed and when you get up in the morning? Because the brain is in this theta wave state. So you actually have a door into the subconscious. So yeah. I, I'm curious if that part of why it's so miraculous is you don't even realize that you are changing hardwired conditioning that may have been in there since you were seven years old. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I talk in the book, one of the main things I talk about is reprogramming your subconscious mind. So what you just said, and um, and if you're okay with it, I'd actually love to dive into affirmations. Yep. So please, I, please, yeah. Yeah. So again, so the, the, so if you're listening, the miracle morning, the savers is the, is the process, right? These six habits, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. I think affirmations are the most mistaught, misused, mm-hmm. and misunderstood form of personal development. And they're the most effective. And here's what I mean. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the way we've been taught affirmations, there, there are two problems with the way that most people have been taught affirmations. Number one is, 
we're taught to lie to ourselves essentially and tell ourselves that something is true that is not yet true that we want to be mm-hmm. true and in the idea that we're going to trick ourselves into believing that it's true it's so true it's like when you put it in those words i'm like yeah that you know so, it's really you're 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 only hardwiring what you don't believe if you do it wrong so yeah, yeah go ahead I, if you're to, if you if you are struggling financially you would be taught to say something to affirm something like Okay, just tell yourself you're wealthy. Just say, I am wealthy. And just say it over and over and over and until you believe it. Now, there may be some merit in that. It's probably better than saying, I suck, I'm broke, right? But here's the problem. Yeah. The truth will always prevail. You know the truth. So if you're saying, I am, followed by anything that is not factually true, then you are creating an internal conflict as if we don't have enough of them, right? Um, and, yes. and, and you're fighting yourself and you're like, I am wealthy. And then your subconscious is like, dude, no, you're not. And you're like, shh, shh, I'm doing my affirmations. I am a millionaire. It's like, you're not even a thousandaire, bro. Like, what are you talking about? You're like, no, quiet, I'm doing. So, so the truth will always prevail. That's the first problem. The second problem is we're taught to use this flowery passive language that produces a magical result independent of any effort. I'll give you another example. Let's say you check your bank account balance in the morning on your phone and you go, oh God, I'm negative. I'm negative again, right? Or, or, I'm, or I'm, 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 I'm broke, whatever. Okay, I got to pull out my affirmations. And you do these very popular affirmations that say something along the lines of, I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Oh, that feels good. Now, why do people, why has that affirmation stood the test of time? I don't think it's because it works. I think it's because it makes people feel better. It gives them temporary relief from their money woes. Because think about it. If you check the phone and you're like, oh, I'm negative. You go, I'm a money magnet. Money is going to flow to me effortlessly and in abundance. Oh, God, that feels so much better than the stress I was feeling a few minutes ago when I was focusing on reality, which is that I don't have money. But but it's not yeah. going to magically flow into your life because you're some sort of money magnet, right? And again, right. not discounting what we can't see. There may be some merit, but let me teach you what I believe and what, what you know the Miracle Morning community has adopted as a very effective, practical, results-oriented process for creating affirmations. Step one, Beautiful. there's three steps. Step one, affirm what you're committed to. In life, we don't Mm. get what we want because we want it. We don't get what we want because it magically attracts and flows into our life without us doing anything except for, you know, sitting on our couch and humming or visualizing or whatever. In life, you get what you're committed to. So saying Mm. I am wealthy when you're not wealthy is a lie. Saying I am committed to becoming wealthy, that's rooted in truth and it's also reinforcing the only thing that will make you wealthy, which is your level of commitment to getting there. So I'm committed mm. to blank. Here's the way it looks in template form. If you're writing the affirmation, it's I am committed to blank no matter what. There is no other option. And you affirm it with so much conviction that it becomes your reality and you become committed. Uh, I'll give that. you a quick example. Six years ago, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, and I was given a 20% chance of surviving, 20 to 30%. It was uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And 
in the beginning, I was afraid that what if I die? I've, you know, I had a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son, and the doctors are saying there was a 70 to 80% chance I was going to die in the next few weeks. And at the time I was in the hospital, wow. my heart was failing, my lungs were failing, and my kidneys were failing. This cancer attacks your organs very quickly. So I doubled down on my miracle morning. I doubled down on the savers. I started reading only books on you know natural ways of healing cancer. But the most important tool was my affirmations. And that first step said, I am committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids, no matter what, there is no other option. And Mindy, whenever I felt the fear of what if, what if I do everything right and I still die? What if I left my mark with the miracle warning and I'm now's my time? Like, whoa, who knows? And I went, that fear is not serving me right now. That's not healing my body. Fear is a stress response. And so I would replace the fearful thoughts by pulling out my affirmations, which were on my bedside table. They were in my phone. They were in my car. They were ever, I had multiple copies. And whenever I felt fear, I'd replace it with this unwavering faith in my ability to heal and say, I am committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids no matter what, there's no other option. And I said it with such conviction and such passion and such energy that within a matter of weeks, there, there was no fear. It wasn't even part mm. of my consciousness anymore. It was completely replaced. And you can apply that, that step one to turning your finances around, saving your marriage, yeah. being happy if you're not, like anything. You fill in that blank with whatever activity, habit, result, outcome that you're committed to. You know, I love that because, again, I feel like you and I must have known each other in another uh, another part of our lives because I have used that with patients that I've been coaching back to health. And when they're really sick, I always say to them, here's what you have to know is failure is not an option. I I do not fail when it comes to putting somebody's health back together again. So you can go ahead and have your doubts, but lean on my certainty when those doubts come in until you get your own certainty. Because from the lens that I look at, the body heals itself and failure is not an option. We're going to stay committed to that. And it's interesting how that works to turn somebody's brain from that. But what if, what if, and it even takes me even to a a little bit of a place of anger that doctors, when they give prognoses, they think they're doing Mm. it out of respect for the patient, but they don't realize that it's messing with with the way that their brains are thinking about the outcome of the condition they're in. So that's brilliant what you just said, Hal. I love, first of all, you and I could have an entire podcast on the healthcare system and healing ourselves and yes, all the things. Um, yes. And I and I get, I can get, you know, I'm not an angry person. I can get very angry when I think about how many poor patients are, are being given what I would call bad advice, right? Like when okay. I asked my um, doctor, what part does diet play in my recovery? And I only asked him that to, to kind of test him and see where he was at. And he goes, it doesn't matter as long as you do chemo. And boy, did that make my blood boil when I was in the hospital cafeteria watching these cancer patients dragging their IV tower around with a 32-ounce big gulp soda in one hand and pizza and cake oh, in another. God. And I'm going, your doctor told you it's okay to eat that. And they're feeding it to you in this hospital cafeteria. So frustrating. So, and by the way, I will say this, um, two things. Number one, and if anybody's listening to this, I want to, I want to give you a little affirmation to add on to this. 
when I had cancer and I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. And like you said, the doctors think they're just managing expectations, but what they're really doing is creating a self-fulfilling prophecy that the person's going to kill themselves mentally and emotionally and spiritually, because that's what they think is going to happen. Um, the day that I was diagnosed with cancer and given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving, my wife was a wreck. Understandably, she was in tears. I said, sweetheart, I know you're scared. I said, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little scared. I said, but, but I have unwavering faith that I will beat this cancer. And I said, here's the statistic that I'm telling you. The 20 to 30% is based on everybody that has mm. a fear-based mindset, that eats a bad diet, that takes no responsibility for their recovery and gives it all to the doctor. I said, I'm telling you, sweetheart, there's a 100% chance that I will be in the 20 to 30% of the people that survived this cancer because I will do everything in my power, mentally, physically, logistically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally to beat this cancer. So I'm going to be amongst the people that do it, right? And if you're listening, you create your own statistic. You create, and, and Mindy, I love that you as a doctor are giving people exactly what they need, which is that you can beat this if you choose to beat it, period, right? And it's, I think what's really important for people listening is it is important it when in the beginning to retrain your mind, you might have to hang around some certain people like, yeah. you know, listen to your podcast, listen to my podcast. Like you have to brainwash yourself uh, to make sure yes. that you stay totally. in that vibration. Otherwise, the doubt of the world, the doubt of the doctor seeps in. And, and the minute you have doubt to your point, now you, you, the outcome's not looking good for you. So certainty is definitely important. This is my layman's explanation for everyone with, I have no qualifications. I am not a doctor, nor do I you know play one on TV, all that. Um, but uh, our body has, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we have trillions of cells, right? Like 40 trillion or something. And, and here's my layman's explanation. They are, they have no opinion. They are impartial. They just do whatever we tell them to. They respond to whatever we feed them. Um, through our mental and emotional state, we are either telling ourselves, like if you're living in fear of dying, you're saying, oh, I get, we're gonna, I'm going to die. And your cells go, oh, Okay, I guess that's what we're doing. If you say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to live. Now you have 40 trillion cells that go, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And I, you know, I had Dr. Bernie Siegel on my podcast a year or two ago. Mm. I read his book while I had cancer, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. Uh, you know, he was a, a cancer surgeon that did over 3,000 procedures, I believe. He said the one thing that every patient that healed themselves had in common, including those that had very deadly cancers that they shouldn't have beat uh, is they all, their mindset was I'm going to live. There's no other option. He said that was the common trait, right? So listen to Mindy, listen to me, listen to Dr. Bernie Siegel. Yep. The second step in the affirmation. So number one is affirm what you're committed to. Number two is affirm why it's a must for you. Mm. Now language is important. If it resonates more for you to say, affirm why it's deeply meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. So why it's a must, why it's meaningful, why there's no other option. So this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Simon Sinek made why very famous. The why is what fuels our ability, our drive to do whatever it takes to follow through with the commitment. So here's what my affirmation looked like when I had cancer. So I'm committed to beating cancer. 
you know, like yada, yada, yada. Step two, I'm committed to beating cancer for Ursula because I promised her forever and a day. I'm committed to beating cancer for Sophia and Halston because they need their daddy's love, guidance, and leadership. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with their grandkids one day. I'm committed to beating mm. cancer for my mom and dad because they don't deserve to lose another child. My sister died mm. when I was eight. I'm committed to beating cancer wow. for myself because, damn it, I deserve to live a long, happy, healthy life. And last but not least, I am committed to beating cancer for the millions of people who are themselves battling cancer or some other disease and may not have been blessed with the knowledge and resources that I have, and I can help them on their journey to healing. So, Mindy, when I read those four or five bullet points with just as much passion and conviction and meaning, it, it fueled, I, I'm like, you know, part, dropping F-bombs, like, if, F, yeah, I will do whatever it takes for those reasons. Did you ever doubt, so d- did you read these in the morning? And I assume you did. And when you, when you read them, did you ever go, oh, I don't feel this today? Like you're reading the them, beginning. but there was the emotion. Okay. In the beginning, I was, because well, here's the thing is, I created these affirmations to replace fear with faith. And when I say faith, let me give context. It's a very loaded word. You can place your faith in whatever you place your faith in. Um, meaning if your faith is in God or a higher power and you believe that God will heal you, then that's where you place your faith. Um, Mm. I'm talking about faith in the outcome, right? Faith in your ability to heal, your ability to follow through, to do everything in your power. So when I say Mm -hmm. faith, again, you can place it wherever you want. If your faith is in your pinky and you're like, because of this magical pinky, I will, you know, make a million dollars or I will achieve this goal or I will beat cancer or I will whatever. So where you place your faith is only consequential in the negative. If it's in something that is variable, like it's in your, your lucky shoes and then you lose them. And now you're like, Oh God. Right. But if it's in a constant such as yourself, Mm -hmm. such as God, it's in a constant that isn't going to get lost or stolen or fall away. You know what I mean? Um, put your faith wherever you want. But but so I was in the beginning, there was fear because I was thinking practically. Like, for example, Wayne Dyer mm. died of leukemia. And I went, well, shit, if Wayne couldn't beat it, he's pretty evolved. You know, I, I'd say I aspire, you know, to evolve to the point of where Wayne was. If he died, then I thought, well, maybe he died because right. he was ready to die. I don't know. But I'm like, well, am I ready to die? So there was this mind, you know, storm in the beginning. And then I got clear on, What's going to serve, what's going to give me the best odds of healing? And I decided it's unwavering faith in the, the possibility of me healing. That's, that's what's going to, that's what's going to give me the best chance. So I'm going to put all of my eggs in the bat, whatever's going to give me the best chance. The what ifs don't serve me, Right. right? Filling my cells with fear and doubt that doesn't heal me. It's that unwavering faith in the ability to heal. So in the beginning, it was I was trying to replace the fear with faith. But after a few weeks, it, it, the, the fear was gone. Yeah. It would rarely come to visit. And I'd pull up the affirmations, but I read them every morning and every night. I, I, I bookended my day with my commitment to beat cancer, the reasons why. And then step three, affirm 
which actions you will take and when. Mm. Which actions you will take and when. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the results are generated, right? If you affirm what you're committed to and why it's a must for you, and then you just end going, oh, I did it. I, I did my affirmations. That doesn't, you have to actually clarify which actions are you going to take. If you want to write a book, you can't say I'm committed to it and here's why, and then that's it. Yep. It might not get written. You've got to go, so therefore, I'm going to wake up an hour earlier. I'm going to write every day from 7 to 8 a.m., six days a week, or right? Um, you got to get clear on what you're going to do and when. And when I had cancer, the third step of the affirmations, it was, I'm going to combine the best of Western medicine because I had, and, and side note, I had reached out to two of the best holistic oncologists in America, and they said, Hal, Neither us nor any holistic oncologist can help you because of your cancer. It is so fast acting that you're, you're, he said, your oncologist wasn't exaggerating. You have a week or two to live before your organs shut down. Cause I didn't want to wow. do chemo. I am, I'm very holistic, very natural. And I, I told my oncologist, I don't want to do chemotherapy. Can you support me naturally healing this? And he said, how your heart is failing right now. Your lungs are failing. Your kidneys are failing. He said, if you don't start chemo tomorrow, I'll give you a week or two to live, but that's it. And I thought he was, I don't trust, right? I figured he was scaring me into chemo, you know? And so I'm like, my, my poor wife is breaking my fingers under the table, holding, you know, like holding back tears. And I said, doc, can I have 24 hours to do my own research? And that's where I reached out to these oncologists. They said, Hal, you know, we can't, this type of cancer, nobody is naturally going to put their their reputation on the line, like you're, you know, and I'm, so I'm like, well, if, if they're not going to help me, I'm going to do. So here, here's here's where I landed though. I committed to do chemotherapy, which, by the way, because my cancer is so aggressive, it's one of the most aggressive chemotherapy regimens. I did 650 hours of chemotherapy in seven months. Oh I mean, my it's, it's horrific. But I, I I said on day one, I went, I'm going to relentlessly relentlessly research every holistic healing modality and I'm going to implement all of them as if that's all I was doing. I'm going to detoxify my liver from chemotherapy. I'm going to build my immune system. And I think that's the greatest lesson for people that, you know, if you know someone that has cancer, if you're listening to this or you have cancer or it ever shows up in your family, I get that doing it all natural, most people aren't going to do it. And I realized oh, if I would have gone all natural, I would have actually had less influence to help people because they're, you know, they're not going to listen to me over their doctor. But yeah. here's what I'm telling you if you're listening. I know this is a slight tangent, but I feel like it's so important. Do the chemo. If you're going to do it, that's on you. Do it. Do whatever you're going to do. You and your spouse, whatever you decide. Um, but for, for the please, do every holistic practice available to you. Your doctor's Unless they're a holistic doctor, they will, unless they're a Mindy, unless you're blessed with a doctor, Mindy, they're probably going to know nothing about any of those modalities. My oncologist is considered one of the best leukemia doctors in the world. He told me diet doesn't matter. He knew nothing about juicing or supplements or vitamins or ozone sauna or coffee enemas or lymphatic massage or all the other practices that I did on my own. So please take responsibility for your healing and don't delegate it to a doctor, unless it's Dr. Mindy, because she's got your back.
(laughs) (laughs) No, here's something interesting on what you just said. And I think this is something that I, I know I have not discussed on this podcast and is really a consideration when you are riding that line between more traditional, conventional approaches to your health and a more natural alternative approach. Because to your point, I think they both have benefits. As much as I will always slant to the natural, I am always being open to what might be there in the conventional and the more traditional. And here's what what I know and what I just heard and what you said, is if you choose to do something like chemotherapy, then go all in in your belief that that Mm. is going to help you. It's when we do something like chemo or an antibiotic and we're like, oh, I see it with antibiotics all the time. People are like, I don't know if I should do it. The doctor's kind of scaring me. I guess I'm going to do it. And then we do it and we're incongruent with the decision. And that is now creating dis-ease in the body. So what I just want, I don't want people to lose sight of, of what you did is you said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to do a little bit. I'm going to go in and do all of it, but I'm also doing natural. I'm going in with both. And I am clear that that is my path. There was no uncertainty. The minute yeah. you put uncertainty in it, you've lost part of the healing magic. Don't you think? Yes. And yes. And so I will say there, I wish there was no uncertainty, but I was so resistant to chemo. But again, that's where affirmations come into play. The reason affirmations I feel like are the most effective form of personal development, right? A, if you follow those three steps, what you're committed to, why it's a must for you, and what actions you'll take and win, those are affirmations that are rooted in reality. They are practical. They are actionable. They are results-oriented. In the simplest form, an affirmation is nothing more than a reminder. That's it. Even if you don't follow that formula, like, by the way, my affirmations, that formula is for every goal I have in my life, right? My financial goals are following that formula. My, my marriage goals follow that formula, but I have all sorts of ancillary affirmations. It'll be a quote from a book and I'll read it. I'll be reading a book and I'll go, Ooh, that quote, that sentence, I need that is a reminder. I need to live that. So it goes into my affirmation. My affirmation is like four pages long now. They, they're they always evolving and I'm trying to delete and add. Um, but the point is, it was my affirmations. My natural thought was, I don't want to do chemo. This is poison. But my affirmations that I read every day reminded me, Hal, yes, and the chemo is poison. However, you need to affirm that your body is intelligent enough to direct the chemo to the cancer to kill it while preserving your cellular health so that your body can thrive. So I would sit there and meditate and I would, I would say, God, thank you for the chemotherapy killing the cancer. And thank you for my body being strong enough to survive, thrive, and live to be 100 plus years old throughout this entire process, right? So so it was a yes and. For sure, I'm not like bulletproof where I just am like, I had no inner conflict about it. I had a ton of inner conflict. And all, and I realized that I need to be at peace with it. I need to be grateful for it doing its job while I'm also you know, aware of get off it when I can on and on and on. But who knows if I wouldn't have done it, I might not be here. So I did the best of both worlds, you know, and I, and I live to tell about it.
Where, where does gratitude, you, you talked about being grateful. Where does gratitude fit into creating an, a, a life that you want to live or a body you want to live in when you're maybe in a health state where you're not feeling so grateful about it? Where do we have mm. to shift our perspective from resentment and, and frustration that our body or our lives are in a certain place and shift that into gratitude? And, and how do we go about that? Because sometimes it's really hard to make that shift. Yes. So I am writing a, my next book is called The Miracle Life. And the, uh, the, 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 so the, the savers were the formula in the miracle morning. The ABCs are the formula in the miracle life, keeping it really simple. It's accept life exactly as it is. Be grateful for everything. And we're going to, that's, I'm just giving this as the framework and then choose your optimal state of consciousness. Right. So imagine if you go through life and you, you accept life as it is. So you don't get angry that this happened or that happened. You just are at peace with life. Yeah. Then you then you go beyond just being emotionally neutral and at peace and you actually go further into gratitude. And, and so it's be grateful for everything. And that's to me, gratitude. If you only use it for the positive things, it's got very limited power in your life. There's a scene in the Miracle Morning movie. So the, we, we started filming after the book came out. We started filming a documentary about this movement that was happening around the world and all these people that were changing their lives with the Miracle Morning. Um, and then we also interviewed a bunch of like famous authors about their morning routines and this whole thing. Well, halfway through the filming, I got I was diagnosed with cancer and I called our director. I said, Nick. You'll never believe this. I'm in the hospital. They're giving me a 20 to 30% chance of surviving this cancer. The movie is on hold. Uh, I, you know, I just got to focus on surviving for my family, you know, and he, you know, he, we talked for a while and then he said, Hal, look, I, I hope, I hope this doesn't come the, across the wrong way, but there's two things. Number one, I believe you're going to beat this cancer. And number two, I don't want to put the movie on hold I actually want to come to the hospital and I want to film you beating cancer because I think it will inspire countless people with, because he's, we've known each other for a decade. He goes, I know your mindset. I know how you're going to approach it. And I want to capture that in real time. So there's a scene in the movie where they had, they had had to give me chemotherapy in my spine. Right. Uh, and that, you know, the thought of that, I'm like, that sounds terrible. On every level. Um, well, the woman missed the target and she injected it into my nerve. Oh. And it created the most horrific, unbearable migraines for 11 consecutive days. Oh. Um, I've never been in so much pain. And uh, at one moment, I handed my dad my cell phone. And I said, my dad was my caretaker in the hospital for a year. I said, dad... I want you to film this. This is the low. I've never felt worse in my life. And I keep recording these video blogs of like, Hey guys, you know, have a positive attitude. Yes, I have cancer, but I'm still grateful. I go, I want you to capture this moment. And mm. little did I know that it would be in the documentary. Like I didn't even think about that. But when you watch the documentary, you see me bawling my, I, I'm in, I can barely talk. My mouth is shaking. I'm in so much pain. And I'm saying, I want you guys to understand, I am grateful for this experience. I am grateful for every moment because if it doesn't kill you, it does make you stronger. And to me, every adversity is an opportunity to learn, to grow, to become a better version of ourselves. 
And because of that, you can be grateful for it. And it's so often said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, you know, one day you'll look back and you'll be grateful that you had to go through that and who you became. And I go, why wait until some future point to experience the benefit of the adversity you're facing? Why not live life in a lens of unconditional gratitude so that even when you're crying in pain, you're doing it through a context of, I'm grateful because God, this is the hardest, most painful thing I've ever been through. And I'm so grateful that it's happening because I know that on the other side of it, there's a better version of myself. So that's my view of gratitude is it's everything. There's never a moment, literally, Mindy, there is never a moment in my life that I'm not grateful. Never. There's nothing because I'm grateful for it all. Yeah, well, if you can be grateful in that moment, you can be grateful in any moment. And I think, I can't wait to see the movie. I I haven't seen the movie. Um, And I just, I am so in love with people who have trained their minds to overcome adversity, to to use adversity to, to their life advantage. And that, I can't wait to watch that because that's incredible. I, I will tell you when the pandemic hit, I, one of my friends posted something within the first couple of weeks, we were all in quarantine. And he said, I can't wait to see who I'm going to become on the other side of this. What is this pandemic going to do to me? And I got to tell you, I was so inspired by that, that I actually kept that mantra throughout the whole pandemic. Mm. And my life is so much better because of the disruption that the pandemic created for me. And, and through that whole like movement of us going into like fear and, oh my God, when are we out of this? I just kept saying, oh my gosh, who am I going to be on the other side of this? And wow, am I happy with what came out of that experience? So I think you're really like, if we can all dive into the heart of that moment of adversity and flip it, now there's no nothing life can give you that's ever going to shut you down or put you in the wrong direction, don't you think? Totally. And and here's what I want I want to leave or give people this this thought that life's gonna do what life's gonna do. You can either be at peace while life's doing what it's doing, happy and grateful while life's doing what it's doing, or you can be miserable and stressed and fearful, right? Like the only thing you can control is your inner world, right? It's how who you're becoming and how you're showing up every day. And um, yeah. without going into too much detail, this whole mindset for me started when I was 20 years old. I was in a car accident. I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. I was found dead at the scene. I broke 11 bones and I came out of a coma six days later and I was told I would never walk again. You're like a cat. You got nine I know. lives. Yeah, I know. I got, got- like, I got like six or seven more lives. I'm not sure. Um a week after I came out of the coma and I was told I would never walk again, my femur broken half, my pelvis broken three places. And the doctors called my parents and they said, we're concerned with Hal. We believe that he is in denial because he's always smiling and laughing and telling jokes. And they go, that's not normal for a 20 year old that's being told he's never going to walk again. They said, we think he, his reality is so painful that he checked out. Can you talk to him? get down to the bottom of how he's really feeling. He should be sad and scared and angry and depressed. My dad comes in that night, tells me the doctor's concerns. He says, Hal, how are you really feeling? I know when your friends are here, you guys are joking and laughing. And he goes, but like at night when you turn the lights off and you're just in your head and you're thinking, it's okay to be sad and scared and angry, depressed. These are normal feelings. The doctors say you need to admit how you're feeling. 
And I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. Hmm. He said, what do you mean? I said, remember, I live my life by this thing called the five minute rule, which says it's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. The idea is when you feel, when you find yourself getting upset, you'd, I'd set a timer for five minutes and I'd give myself five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, whatever. When the timer goes off, I would say, can't change it and acknowledge I can't change what happened five minutes ago. So I have, I have a choice between two options. I can be at peace or I can be miserable. I can be miserable that it happened, upset, angry, frustrated, or I can accept it exactly as it is and be at peace. And I said, dad, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I've decided I'm going to be the happiest, most grateful person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way. The only thing I get to choose is how do I experience every moment in my wheelchair? And if you're listening right now, I want to ask you, what's your wheelchair? What are, what's the experience in your life, past, present, or even that you're worried about in the future that you, you've allowed to determine your mental and emotional state? I'm here to tell you that you don't have to let your circumstances determine your mental and emotional state. You can determine it. And so you can even be in the most difficult circumstances of your life and go, okay, this is what's happening. I can't change it in this moment. It is what it is. I've got to get through it. So therefore, I'm going to choose to be the happiest, most grateful version of myself I've ever been while I endure the most difficult time in my life. And the Miracle Morning, to me, enables you to read affirmations that remind you, then sit in silence and meditate on that feeling, visualize it, exercise, read something that affirms it, journal what you're grateful for, right? Like that is the practice that you know from experience every day allows you, even if you have a bad day the day before, you get to wake up into that me time, that sacred time to become the best version of you and start every day at your best. Amazing. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever, Hal. I just love the way you think. And I know you've got to go pick your kids up. So yeah. let, me, let me finish on this on this thought. I have two, two questions I ask everybody this season. We're really diving into self-love. And the first one is, what's your mm. self-love practice? Somehow I'm thinking it's tied <laughs> into the morning. And the second question is, what's your, what's your superpower? And I think we all just witnessed your superpower, but I'm going to let you answer those two questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my miracle morning is my self-love practice. You know, one of the books I read years ago was love yourself like your life depends on it. And I really integrated that into my miracle morning. Um, the, uh, I have, I literally have a section of affirmations that are my self-love affirmation, right? In bold, it says self-love and then colon. And then, you know, there's like a few sentences that affirm how I love myself, that I love myself unconditionally, that I have, I give myself grace, that I'm always doing the best I can and that I deserve just as much love as I give to my children, if not more, right? Like to put it in context and realize the way I love my kids, can I love myself that way? And yeah. that helps me to create that context. Mm. Oh, well. And then the superpower is, it, it's, it's what we just talked about toward the end there. It's choosing my experience. Mm. I don't mean my external experience. I can't always choose that. I can only choose my internal experience. So I can choose that no matter what's going on around me, I get to control what's going on inside me. I choose to be at peace. I choose to be happy. I choose to be grateful. I choose to serve others. I choose to be a source of love and light and nothing anyone else does or says, no matter how rude or mean or whatever, 
it doesn't change who I'm committed to being in every moment of my life. Oh my gosh. I got chills. That that That's a mic drop. How do people find you, Hal? You're just such a joy to talk to. Oh, thank you, uh, Mindy. So miraclemorning.com is the hub. You can watch the movie there. You can buy the books. You can download the free Miracle Morning app. You can join the community, which is a Facebook group with 340,000 members from like 100 countries that wake up. They'll support you on this Miracle Morning journey. Um, yeah, miraclemorning.com is the hub for all of it. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for your time. And again, thank you for being such an incredible example of what's possible when you really commit to putting your mind on the right things. So just super grateful for you. And we got to do this again. Perhaps we do it live because this was really your, your, your enthusiasm is infectious. And it, you know, I feel more. Do you do in person? Do you do in person interviews? We're starting to. Yeah. We're going to, that's our next step. So I will, I will invite you up. Quick, I'll give a quick insider or information for your audience and for you. So I am currently writing the Miracle Morning updated and expanded edition. It probably mm. won't be out for like eight months, six months, eight months, something like that. Um, so, you know, get the, get the edition now. But, but it's going to have the Miracle Evening chapter, the Miracle Life chapter. I'm rewriting the entire book. So I'd love to come back on and like mm. revisit this when, uh, when we do that. Yeah, please reach out. You're you're welcome yeah. back on any time, and let's do it live, and we'll go in. We'll I love in-person interviews. I'd love yeah. that. Uh, I'm 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 going to make a note of it. I love you. I love your energy. I love your the stand that you take for healing for people naturally, right? Um, yeah. So I, I'm just I'm so grateful that we got to connect again, and I uh, can't wait for the next time. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you, Hal. Appreciate you. Ditto. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.